Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. All right. We'll put a little beat in for Melissa. There we go. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Fixing Your Agile Coaching. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley, although Melissa Boggs is our host this week too. Look at that. <laughs> Melissa is joining us this week. She's one of my most favorite people on this planet. Uh, agile coaching, extraordinaire, uh, certified enterprise coach, certified team coach, former co-CEO of Scrum Alliance, current vice president of business agility at Sauce Labs. She's awesome. Excited for all of you to get to hear from her. So I'm going to try to keep my voice down and amplify hers up. Uh, but Melissa, so great to see you. Thanks for doing this. Hi, Ryan. I love being here with you. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad the feeling is definitely mutual. You've got some awesome topics, Melissa. You've done uh, some really cool talks over the years. And a lot of these I've just, I just love hearing them over and over. But I know you've got some new content on some of these too. But I know these are really close to your heart. And I want us to start with, because I, I fall into this trap and you've taught me a lot in this space, how exhaustion is not a status symbol. Can you, can you unpack that sentence for us? And then maybe I'll ask a silly question or two and we'll really just kind of dig into it. Sure. Well, I'll tell you where it started for me. Um, so I actually worked for a remote-based company years ago, long before the pandemic. And there was a very specific day that I can remember. And I was actually in this same office right here. And these two colleagues of mine were just getting on a call with me and both of them were like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm late i've been back to back all day long i am so tired it's been nothing but zoom calls all day and there was just something about that moment because quite literally they were competing mm. i mean they were literally like oh six hours well i've been on for seven i got on at 7 a.m you know and i dearly love these colleagues i'm not you know throwing shade at them but that's our society like that's how you know i can at least speak for sort of north america that's how we operate it's like yeah. 
that's how you prove your worth. And yet my thought was like, as they went through that seven hours of, of Zoom calls, like how much less productive and or, I don't know, even articulate did they become over that time without a break? And so that sort of like got me thinking about this topic because I was seeing it play out, you know, right in front of me. And then it was actually Brene Brown. Um, she has her, uh, I'm not gonna say this right, but 10 guideposts for, oh my goodness, whole self living. That is not exactly the, the word, but, um, and one of them is um, operating with exhaustion as a status symbol, yeah. you know, decreases your whole self living essentially. Um, and so, no, I just started going down that path of learning about burnout and learning about, you know, just surface level neuroscience. I am no, no scientist, but understanding how your brain works when you're tired and how this competition that we're having with one another is actually counterproductive to what we say that we want, which is, you know, high quality work and outcomes and all of that. You don't get that when you're just like totally fried. Yeah, that's uh, the competition thing. I, I certainly remember that working in uh, a lot of organizations. We actually had a VP who was who he liked that uh, that we were all kind of exhausted and we put in a lot of effort. And it's like that's good. You should go home tired. And and, it, and it's almost like you're rewarding the 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 decline of work. Um, it kind of reminds me of a of a talker, um, a good another friend of ours does where. He would talk about they 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 did they did this analysis of judges like in court, and the later in the day, the more likely you were. I think it was to get an acquittal because mm -hmm. the judge's brain was not as critical. They were just kind of or, or a more favorable ruling because the judge was enough of it and let's go home. Um, and it it's it's amazing um, just how much that fatigue sets in. But then we brag about it, right? And it's oh yeah, I I'm just so tired. It's why can't you? And, and so I started asking myself a question and it was sparked by you and your talks. It was why, why do I have to exhaust myself to get a normal day's worth of work done? What is, what am I doing wrong in my system of work? And that led to now, now I think people would call me lazy, but we get a lot of good stuff done. Uh, we keep space in our day. It's joyful work. I mean, is this kind of where you want people to, I think, is this where we're going? Is this where you want to see it kind of play out? Exactly. I mean, if you were to look at my calendar for this week, and I'm actually coming back from being on vacation for an entire week, I have big chunks of time yeah. in my calendar. That takes work, actually, right? <laughs> it takes it takes a willingness to turn down meetings, but I do because yep. I am much better when I have that time and space to be creative and to, you know, really deep dive on stuff. Um, so yes, that's, I mean, we're better like that. We're better when we're not competing with each other in that way in general. Um, that's where innovation and creativity comes from. And in this research that I was doing, uh, one of the things I learned was that you are the most creative when one, you have that time and space and two, believe it or not, when you're distracted. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I realized um, like it's in the shower, 
is where literally all of my best ideas come from. The idea from this chop came in the shower. Sure. But it's because like the act of, you know, like washing my hair, like my brain is only about 10% thinking on that thing consciously, but 90% of it, you know, is kind of going on in the background and making space for that. So like, while it's great for us to do these innovation days and everything, I also think you get more out of just giving people breathing room, period. (laughs) And, you know, being really clear about who is needed and what meeting, and I mean needed. If I'm not needed and I'm just there to be, um, I don't know, to prove that I am valuable and worth being there, but I'm not contributing, then I might as well be somewhere else allowing my brain to ruminate on creative things. Um, it's funny, I kind of use the open space rule in my own head. You remember that yeah. I'm sure the law of mobility. Yep. And so I can't say that I've like walked out of a meeting. I'm not quite there yet. Like we wouldn't open <laughs> space, but I will look at a meeting and say, can I learn from this or can I contribute? And right. if I can't, if I'm just showing up to show my face to prove that I am important, then I can prove that I am important by doing important things elsewhere. You you know, this all sounds to me a lot like boundary setting, Mm. right? That for some reason that pops in my head because it took me a number of years to realize not everyone has the right to my time. Mm -hmm. And that's a kind of a hard thought because we want to be helpful. We want to be that servant leader. We want to be that true leader, whatever language we're using now, you know, that agile coach is supposed to be that supportive person. Um, but it, it's one of those where not everyone has the right to to tell me where to be on my calendar, mm-hmm. right? And and also, I don't need to be there. When I was in an executive role, when I would see a meeting where someone was having me there to, because we need another director or vice president in the room, or it was for, you could tell it was a social political thing. Um, I either reject, would just reject the meeting outright if it was just silly, or I got in the habit of walking over to the meeting room and saying, hey, everybody, I'm really excited you're meeting about this this particular initiative has my full support and I'm going to go and do something and help the teams while you're working this out. If you need me, text me, send me a follow-up, but I'm going to be over there. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those where I could still show my face because people are worried about that. FaceTime is important. I think, especially in a remote space, but also it was like, that was my only value to that meeting. So I took care of it at the outset and then (laughs) left. And then I didn't have to sit in there for an hour and because how many, I, for the listeners out there, check this out, leave us a comment. And this is harder in the, in the remote world, but I think you can still tell. During a meeting, how many times do you see like a phone creep up in the bottom portion of the Zoom window and a heads <laughs> go down? Or, right, there you go. Or you can tell there's, a, there's so much clicking, they're not taking notes, they're doing email. Right. It used to be yeah. in the in the meeting room, all the laptops were up. I would require laptops shut and that would make people mad and it would point out the futility and the silliness of all the people being there. But I think those things are interesting to watch, you know, watch in the meetings, how much attention is really being paid, who really needed to be there and, and set good boundaries. Right. Not everyone has the right to your time. At least that's how I kind of adapted to that. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little harsh, though. No, no, I completely agree with you. And one of the things that has helped me talk with people about this is the idea that there are explicit and implicit policies that feed this particular societal norm, right? So those 
explicit policies might be, you know, um, you have to check your email at all hours of the day. And some of them are explicit, by the way, like when I was actually giving this talk, I remember being surprised by some of the, like the audacity of some of these explicit policies. Um, You know, things like you have to, um, gosh, I'm losing the explicit ones right now. So let's go to implicit, right? Um, I'm gonna go on vacation for a week and I put on my out of office reply I'll be away, you know, spotty access to email. No, like, no, because that implies two things. One, that you have access to me when I am with my family and on vacation. But two, if you are one of my team members or one of my employees or someone who works around me, that you should do the same thing. And like, that drives me crazy because that's the kind of thing that you can't come in and talk to HR about like explicitly because it's not an explicit policy it's a little bit more insidious than that right it's these little things that we do that imply that we cannot turn off um i cannot believe i'm bringing up tiktok on an agile coaching podcast (laughs) but are we going to do some dances (laughs) yes no but there is a tiktok creator who has sort of like a corporate focus and so she does like parodies and things and um and if I had to name her, I couldn't, so I'm sorry. But there's one series that she does where I guess her boss is really good at like creative out of office replies that basically give the middle finger. They're like really <laughs> creative ways of saying like, you think you need me, but you don't think again, you know, things like that. But I love that because that's not only sending the message that I'm on vacation, but even for the TikTok creator herself, yeah. cool, when I go on vacation, I can do something similar and it's gonna be okay. And I think it takes enough of us, like literally in the corporate world, to start doing that, to like create emotion that we don't tolerate that, that like exhaustion is not something I'm proud of. I'm going to be on the beach and I don't wanna talk to you for a week. And then when I come back, you're gonna get a better version of me. Yep. And you're gonna get a refreshed, you know, energetic, strong version of me. And so, yeah, I think boundaries is a great way to put it. But those boundaries have to be both explicit and then we have to be very aware of the implicit. Well, and what I, I love about this is that you actually live it, right? And so when we were scheduling for us time, for time to get together, <laughs> you were like, uh, I hope you don't mind me. No, I forgot about that though. It's but it, it, was just, it was funny, like you kind of shocked me and then I realized, no, she's right. We were working on a time and you're like, look, Ryan, I'm in on this. I've got time this week but I'm still, I'm, I'm six out. I have six hours of vacation left. I'm not going to look at my calendar. And I was like, really? And, and you kind of, yeah, I just, if then it will, it will spiral into email. And, and I really respected that. Like you held that boundary. You're like, I'm on vacation. I, w- I was probably lucky. I was lucky that you were even answering my texts, right? You were kind of like, you were still in that vacation mode. So I really appreciated that. But yeah, you really had that boundary up that, I'm not ready to look at work again. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. So I text you the next day. And, and of course we worked it out, but it's just, it was, it impressed me. I thought, you know what I'm on, I'll be on vacation in a week and I'll be on a beach somewhere. I'm not going to look at work. Right. So Todd, all of you know, Todd Miller, he's off. Um, he's off this week. He's on a beach somewhere really nice. <laughs> um, super nice. We're not texting each other. We're not talking. I mean, he, I think he sent me a picture of a fish he caught. 
right? But right. other than, and I just gave, I thumbs upped it and that was it. We're not talking about the business. We're not talking about training. Uh, we're taking it easy. I was telling Melissa before the show, I've just spent the last couple hours just floating in my pool with my daughter who's been like splashing and swimming. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of taking it easy and we're not doing a lot of work and that, but I can be firmer in that boundary. Right. And so I really, I just, I like the, how you model this behavior. And so I think when I'm gone for the week on the beach, I I'm just gonna can't text you every day. Well, but I'll, I'll <laughs> reply with pictures of, of Kristen or the kids and, and I I'm sure you'll heart them and then it'll be great, but it won't yeah. be work. It won't be, Hey, I need this class or I need this contract. It's going to be not nah, Todd's back. He'll take care of it. I trust him. We're good. And I think those boundaries are super important. So I love, love, love the way you've modeled this. And even you live it. So you don't just go to a conference and talk about it. You're actually doing it, which I think is amazing. Yeah. So here's one last thing around that. Um, the way that you're able to do that, you and Todd, as an example, is because you're paired. Right. right? And so this is where like Rich Sheridan talks about single towers of knowledge in his book, Join Inc. If you have single towers of knowledge, that's one of the implicit policies that prevents that person from going off and recharging. Right. And so this is where it becomes even more important for us to pair, to mob, to you know cross train, like whatever you wanna call it. It's not just like to align to scrum, <laughs> you know? It's to create an environment where people have freedom to have creativity. It's not even just about going on vacation. If you and I know an equal amount about a particular topic, you take that meeting, I'm going to go be creative and the next time we'll swap. Right. You know, and so we do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I mean, don't tell Ty, but I would say pairing up is one of the best, both personal and business decisions I've ever made. Right. I mean, it, it's really led to a lot of the space uh, to be more creative. I mean, we both genuinely like each other. So it's joyful work. Um, our families are, they get along really well. Our kids play Minecraft and, uh, what's the other one? Fortnite together. I mean, it, it's just, it, and so, yeah, I think the getting rid of the silos is great. Pairing up has been awesome. It gives us the space to be creative. It lets us set good boundaries and we respect those. I, yeah, I think this is just a, this exhaustion thing. Let's just stop that. You know, let's, it's just silly. It's not a status symbol. It's not, it's like I said at the, the beginning, and I know if you've, have you, as you have unpacked, if that's happening, why? Why are we so tired? Like what's, what boundaries have we failed to put in place that have led to this? Right. Well, that's exactly like, I remember that day. I didn't know enough about this yet, but I just remember that like my gut instinct on that one day when those two colleagues were kind of competing was like, but why, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. why a, have you been on seven hours of calls and B are you competing about it? Um, and, you know, I mean, I think it goes back to these expectations about always being on. Um, I think that the, there is, there are ways, and we don't have to go deep into this because it could be a longer show. Sure. But there are some ways that actually like Scrum can reinforce that. And that's what a lot of my talk was about was like, do not let Scrum be the excuse yeah. for burning people out. You know, like even within a two week sprint, you still have to create some time and some space. Yeah, we got to we got to jam the team to 100 percent capacity. It's supposed to be continuous pace. Like what's going on? Why are they resting? Why are they reading? A it's like, OK, 
Now we have some coaching to do, right? It's not about efficiency. It's about effectiveness. It's not about velocity. It's about velocity is just capacity. You don't max out capacity. Yeah. And you're right. There are certain mis misinterpretations and misrepresentations of Scrum. Oh, and a bunch of flat. Maybe this will be a different show, but <laughs> yeah, you're right. I could see how it could really support this, this myth that exhaustion is somehow a sign of something good. And, uh, but yeah, I'm glad, glad we were able to chat through this. It's, um, it's a great talk. I know you've got some more, I think there's a few recordings out there in on the YouTube space. We'll try to find some links. Um, it's just an awesome idea though. Are you feeling exhausted all the time? Are you bragging about it? By the way, the two people that are competing, there's no trophy at the end of that conversation. Right. What, I mean, I'm, what prize have you won? You know, I'm more tired. No, I am like, <laughs> you should both go to bed. <laughs> right. Have a good like, night. Go away. <laughs> but no, it, it's a great topic. And it's something that I think as agile coaches, we should all be a little reflective on that. Are we actually promoting that behavior too, right? Is that, is that the language we use with fellow coaches? Is that the language we use with clients? Like, oh yeah, I was up all night, but why? <laughs> and, and I think that's a really cool thing to kind of reflect on and think about. The eighth agile principle, and it is sustainable pace, but yep. it's sustainable pace indefinitely. And you cannot indefinitely maintain a pace if it is, you know, constant exhaustion. Totally agree. Well, Melissa, I appreciate you bringing this uh, topic forward. I hope everyone out there really enjoyed it. I'm going to transition us to the end screen. And there we are. So be sure to check out the socials for Agile for Humans and Fixing Your Agile Coaching. Like and subscribe so that you know when we have other great guests like Melissa and even more videos from Melissa hopefully appear in the stream. Check out the videos below that just popped up. YouTube thinks you'll like them. We do too. Uh, I hope you really take this uh, this concept that Melissa has really pioneered and, and developed in the Agile community and, and really bring that forward and think about exhaustion and boundaries and limits and what you can do to kind of help yourself get that breathing space and then give it to others, right? I think it's a gift. Time is a gift that we give back to people. And so let's see if we can do that. I'd love to see your comments below. Let us know what you think. Leave us your questions and uh, we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.